the thing I've discovered actually about American readers is uh -huh. how naturally curious they are. Hello everyone and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today I am chatting with author Anne Youngson from England. Her second book, The Narrowboat Summer, came out on January 26th, 2021, and is published by Flatiron. And Anne is one of poets and writers five over 50 for her debut novel, Meet Me at the Museum. Before I bring up our conversation, I wanted to say that your support of my podcast would mean a lot to me. The easiest way is to buy me coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash LLTB podcast. Every coffee you buy me helps keep me alert and this podcast going. I'll add the link in the show notes and I thank you. One more thing. When I started talking to Anne, I mixed up the title of her book. I don't know what I was thinking. I was so embarrassed. Anyway, I couldn't edit out my mistake without being obvious, so I kept it. The title of her book is The Narrowboat Summer. And now, without further ado, here's Anne Youngson, the author of The Narrowboat Summer. Youngson, welcome to the Living a Life Through Books podcast. I am super excited to have you here. Hello. Hello. I understand you wrote a book, The Narrowboat Canal, is that right? The, the Narrowboat Summer. The, oh, oh uh, The Narrowboat Summer. Silly me, silly me. I've been thinking about the canal. I read the book and I've been thinking... For whatever yeah. reason, it changed. So tell me about this book. Where and when did the germ of the idea come up? Well, it was some while ago, actually, um, I wanted to uh, write a, the story of a journey. Uh, I love reading the story of journeys because um, you, you can, of people traveling, I suppose, traveling from one point to another point and everything that happens along the way and the conversations that you have along the way and the way in which um, just traveling means that uh, you're sort of outside of your normal life and you can look at things slightly differently. You can uh, begin to see things in a, in a clearer way. So I wanted to write a book about a journey and I wanted it to be a slow journey um, mm -hmm. over quite a long distance. And of course, we don't uh, we don't travel slowly these days, do we? I mean, we don't um, uh, we don't walk for a month, you know, for for three or four weeks to get from one town to the other, as we might have done in the past. <laughs> no, we do not. <laughs> so, um, and I'm really fond of the um, of the the canals in England. I've spent many holidays on them, and my sister used to live in a in a narrowboat, so I know all about the experience of um, drifting very slowly down the canals and um, having the opportunity to meet different people and talk to the people you're with so um, that that was that was the basis of the idea but apart from that I mean I'm writing about um, uh, about change I suppose about um, people who are at a point in their lives where everything going forward is going to be different to what it was before 
and exploring how that um, how people think all of that through and come to decisions as to what the future is going to look like, which was the um, the topic that appealed to me. But the um, the setting was definitely my um, my desire to write about a slow journey. Okay. Do you read other books about journeys? What what books have you enjoyed that talk about journeys? Um, I don't know really. I mean, when I was um, when I was uh, there's a lot of children's adventure books, you uh -huh. know. That, uh, that I, I suppose it's probably a hangover from that to ch children's adventure books. And and there's also a brilliant and I can't remember the name of it now, but there's a brilliant um, book by Jeanette Winterson, which is about um, starts off in on the in the Napoleonic campaign in uh, in Russia. And, and travels to Venice. And I, I, I think it was probably reading that actually that inspired me to start writing this. That's very cool. So it's, you're an author because you have a book. How long have you wanted to be an author or was this just, you know, I like journeys and I wanna write about it. Or yeah. has this always been, I've always wanted to be an author my whole life. Tell me about that. <laughs> Well, I, th I think I've always wanted to be an author. I've always written, actually, and um, recently, I've in the last sort of ten years, I suppose, ten or, or fifteen years, I've written very seriously, and um, tried to to get a lot better. And I was still um, only writing for myself and my friends, really. But this is actually my second book. My my first book, which was Meet Me at the Museum, mm -hmm. um, was a, fr a friend um, introduced me to an agent who said, "Oh no, I love this book." You know, I hadn't actually finished it at the time, but she said, "No, I love it." And, you know, as soon as you finished it, I'll see whether I can't find a, a, a publisher, which, uh, uh, which she did. So all of a sudden and, and almost, um, you know, sort of unexpectedly, I suppose, I was catapulted from being somebody who wrote in, uh, you know, wrote as a hobby to somebody who wrote, uh, you know, wrote as a profession, I suppose. And um, so, yeah, so the narrow, I, I actually started the Narrowboat Summer before I wrote the previous one. And, um, you know, I, and oh, so wow. I picked it back up. Yes, I picked it back up. I think I understood after I'd written Meet Me at the Museum, which was also about um, someone exploring their lives at a certain point, quite uh -huh. a way through their life and, and standing back and saying, OK, is this everything I want? Have I got everything I want? Um, or should I be looking for something else? And I think having written that, I understood what I wanted my, uh, my characters on their journey up the canals to be looking for. Right. So you got an agent in the middle of writing Meet Me at the Museum. Yeah. And so you were halfway through Meet Me at the Museum. And did you finish Meet Me at the Museum before you started Narrowboat Summer? I know you said you started Narrowboat Summer earlier or? Yeah. Yes, I, I, yeah, I started narrow, the Narrowboat Summer and then I thought I'm not quite sure what I'm doing with this book. So I, I stopped writing that and I wrote Meet Me at the Museum. And, and then I went back to it again after I'd had Meet Me at the Museum published. So, uh, yes. So was, do you uh, do you think it's just luck? Like, oh, wow, I found an agent. Or is it just, you know, because it's like, you know, you hear people looking for agents and your friend just said, hey, I love this book. I know an agent. I mean, I wish I had friends like that, you know? <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Yes, all my friends wish they had friends like that. Um, yes, I. Um, uh, it, it, it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, if 
I don't know that there are probably lots of good books that get written that never get read by anybody outside an individual circle of, of friends and family. And, and I suppose I was uh, lucky in that I had somebody who, who backed me, who supported me. But there again, you, you do have to, um, you have, you, you do have to try and make your own luck. I, I, I am very lucky, but I do believe in, in making your own luck. So, sure. I mean, the, the, the friend who introduced me to an agent is a professional writer. So um, I'd started doing courses and joining in with things so that I made sure I was, I, so I knew professional writers um, who were, uh, you know, in a position to help me. So it wasn't, um, uh, it was, it was unexpected. It was unexpected. I think, I, I think, sorry, go on. Yeah. It was unexpected, but also expected because you put yourself in a situation to expose yourself to people who knew agents. Exactly, exactly. That, that's that's uh, that's really well put. It was it was unexpected, but not but but also in in the back of my mind, I possibly always expected it <laughs> because uh, I knew the story I was writing was a good story, and I knew I was writing it well. And so, um, it's it's foolish to think, um, you know, that, that there's there's no point looking for uh, looking for publication, right? If you if you've got enough pride in your work, right? So tell me about the process once you make contact with an agent what happens after that i've spoken to a lot of authors but i've never really gotten that an author with an agent so i'm really curious so now you've just met your agent tell me what happens after that in the whole process i i'm very curious <laughs> okay well she read um she read the beginning of meet me at the museum and she said look i love this book um but uh, i obviously can't do anything about it until you've finished it because nobody's going to take on a debut author unless you're already famous nobody's going to take on to to uh, buy a book from a debut author until it's uh, until it's finished so she said go away and finish it and we agreed a sort of timetable for me to finish it and i finished it according to the timetable and um, and i sent it to her and then there was then a, quite an agonizing gap actually because as it happened there was various things going on in the agency and she just didn't have any reading time so there was a a gap of about sort of three three or four weeks before she came back to me during which I thought well you know it was a lovely dream um, but then <laughs> then she came back to me and, and said no no I, I, I still love it and, and I, I, I can I'll go out and, uh, and try and sell it. She made one or two suggestions for changes which I agreed with which I did and then she she sent it out to so so what she did was she she made a list of all of the editors you know she she doesn't just send it to a publisher she sends it to a named editor whom she thinks is going to like this book and she sent it out to a list of named editors and, and one of them came back within the week actually and this was in the UK mm -hmm. one of them came back and said uh, yes we we um uh, we we want this so she sold it within a uh, within a week which was amazing and then in a, in america um I, I, another um lovely lovely lady who looks after my interests in america then then took it and went round the american publishing houses and i actually did have quite some quite long conversations with editors in america while they tried to work out you know because obviously it was a british book you know and they tried right. to work out whether this was get, really going to work for an american audience and uh, most of them actually wanted me to change it quite a lot which i wasn't really very keen to do 
And then luckily I was, it was um, my, my wonderful editor at uh, Flatiron mm-hmm. um, said, uh, no, you know, I'll, I'll uh, I mean, she made some suggestions, which, uh, which were all good. And I, and I altered it, but uh, uh, she said, no, this is going to work. That's great. I'm really curious, what major changes did the other editors want that you said no to? I'm just, I'm just curious, yeah. what was it? And uh, yeah. Yeah, what, what, well, there, there was one of them who, they, they, my first book was all in letters and it's letters between two people who have never met. Oh, wow. So, so the, the first letter is somebody writing to actually, he's, he's dead, but somebody whom she had a, um, you know, she had a name of from a long, long time in the past. And she just wrote to him and, and sort of reminded him about this link that they had in the past. And um, somebody who read the letter um, wrote back and said, no, no, I'm afraid he's died, but here are the answers to some of the questions that she'd asked. And they begin a correspondence. And um, one of the American editors said to me, no, um, we, don't, um, we don't know these people. You know, you, have, you, can't, you can't leave us to get to know these people slowly over time. Um, you have to make sure that you fully engage the reader with the um, with the character um, mm-hmm. by sort of you know filling in some of the background by making them real immediately on the on the page. And I said, well, how can I how can I do that? I mean, they don't know each other, so they're not going to start swapping stories of their past. You know, immediately that they uh, they begin a correspondence. It's bound to be slowly unfolding. And um, I just, I just couldn't see that it would, uh, it would, it would work. Yeah. So okay. that, that, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. How different do you think are the perceptions of books in different countries? Because I've talked to, you know, not talked to, but in my book club, we discussed this. There are a lot of books have mm. a different cover, yeah. a different title. Mm-hmm in different countries mm. how do you why do you think that is how do you think different countries have perceived their books and topics it's a it's a really interesting thing a really interesting topic i think because for me at the museum the uh, the title was the same but the covers were completely different uh-huh. and um and and yet the um you know, in both cases, people the covers appeared to appeal to people, and yet mm-hmm. they were completely different. And I couldn't um, initially. I, I do now love the um, the US cover, but initially I preferred the UK cover. So I suppose it's just a, a question of of taste, really. And then for the Narrowboat Summer, the title is different, and the cover is completely different. Is and that I think right? What just, is it called? It's called Three Women and a Boat in the UK. Really. Yes. <laughs> three women and a boat. Wow. And a, and a boat. Yes. Three women and a boat. boat. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, what is the cover? I'm curious. How is the cover totally different in the UK? It is totally different. In in the now, this is um, this is getting into the nitty gritty of um, the canal oh. world. Actually, uh-huh. um, there's a particular type of of art on um, canal boats. Canal boats tend to be decorated with very sort of formalized flowers and um, you know roses, a lot of roses and little castles and this kind of thing. And so it's instantly recognisable to somebody in the UK. Canal art is recognisable, and so the cover. 
and for the UK version has got canal art on it. So if you saw it in a bookshop, you would think, I mean, it's obviously called Three Women in a Boat, but you would look at it and you would know this book was about canals. And it's it's quite a, a sort of, you know, a solid, dense cover, um, but it's, it's very lovely. But then the, the US cover is absolutely gorgeous. Yes, it... it um, <laughs> this one right here. Yeah, that's right, exactly, it's, yes. It's just, uh, I mean, it's just so uplifting, isn't it? It's so, it's um, you know, beautiful. it's sort of, it's, it's exactly, it's almost, it is like, just like opening the book and stepping straight into it, looking mm -hmm. at the cover. So I think it's a complete masterpiece. And I love the title too, um, you know, the Narrowboat Summer. I didn't know whether the, the name, the word narrowboat would mean anything um, to uh, American readers. But uh, and the thing I've discovered actually about American readers is uh -huh. how naturally curious they are. Because my first book had a, um, with the, the, the link between the two people was actually a body found in the box. There was an archaeological link. Okay. And so many of the reviews and the letters and, and so on that I've had from American readers said, I didn't know anything about this topic, but I Googled it and it looks really interesting and I've learned all this stuff. Uh -huh. And exactly the same thing is happening with the narrowboat summer where they're saying, I didn't know anything about the canals, but now I've Googled them and they've started to um, tell each other what other books about the canals that they can uh, they can read. I, I really like that about American readers that they sort of, um, you know, they're prepared to go beyond the book to um, sort of, you know, embrace everything that it's about, whether they know about it or not. Oh, I, I want to, when I visit the United Kingdom next time, I'm going to start look actually going and looking for narrow boats and going to the canals and I'm going to walk the towpath. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to do that after reading this book and yeah. really enrich myself in the experience that was this book. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because it, yeah. And that's what the book did for me. I was like, Oh my yeah. gosh, it's so charming. I just want to, float away exactly and it is really peaceful it's really peaceful <laughs> very peaceful indeed yes yeah, so, we, we, yeah. so tell me about the actual writing the physical writing of the book how hmm. many drafts did you go to did you have a structure outline first before you wrote it tell me about that no i um uh, I tend to, um, I discover things about the people I'm writing about as I write. Okay. So although I have a, um, I have a sort of a notion of, of where I've got a sort of, I've got a peg in the ground mm -hmm. in the far distance, which is the end, if you see what I mean. And so I, I'm, I'm working towards um, something which is not particularly well defined, but I know it's roughly, you know, sort of somewhere in this landscape is where I'm, I'm aiming to be. And then I just um, write towards it. And I don't actually tend to go through um, very many drafts. You know, I, I, I go back and um, I write right to the end before I try and, um, you know, I might edit odd bits that I, I come across, but by and large, I write to the end, but then, and then I edit, but I don't tend to make enormous changes. You know, I don't introduce new characters or kill off somebody or, or bring somebody back to life or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, introduce a whole new incident or anything like that. It tends to sort of form as I uh, as, as I write. 
So um, I do I do write quite quickly. I do a lot of thinking. It's going on in my head the whole time. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I come to write, I have the, um, you know, the thoughts come out quite easily. And then you write the book. Yeah. And then what happens after you write it? Do you go back and reread it and oh, re-edit? Yes. Or do you just immediately send it to your friends and bring it back? How's oh, that? yes, I, I, I do. No, I, I go through and make sure that there's nothing which is actually going to embarrass me. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I send it to my friends and you know I have a I have a you know a cohort of friends who will come back and say no you know I, I just didn't believe in this character or or you know I got really bored at this point and and so I, I finesse it for all of that and this one I also had to send to my sister who who lived on the canals and and said you know have I have I made any mistakes you know have I moved any of the tunnels or uh... <laughs> right <laughs> And um, yes, and, and then I, I send it to my um, agent to read and, and to my, uh, my editor. And in this instance, um, my UK and my US editors work together. So I got a sort of a joint um, salvo from them about the things that they, uh, they liked and they, and they didn't like. And, um, you know, then there's quite a, quite a bit of, um, of rewriting because they're, um, you know, they're really skillful at reading it with a, looking at it from a, a reader's viewpoint. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, they know exactly the points in the book where the reader's going to be thinking, oh, you know, the story's been held up here. You know, I really want to get on. Right. Yeah. Is it the same company in the UK and the US? Because you talked about the editors working together. So I'm kind of like, really? That's... Yeah. Yes, no, no, it's not the same company. No, oh, wow. Okay. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> Flatiron is part of Macmillan and um, Correct. published by Transworld in the UK, which is part of Random House. Oh, but wow. I think they're both, yeah, I think from both of their point of view, of course, their uh, publishers want to sell books. Yes. And from from both of their points of view, if it sells well, I mean, it's probably more important to my UK editor, you know, if it sells well in the US, people will hear about it more in the UK. Yes. And yeah. So so it's, they, they both want the book to sell. So they both want to make it the best book they can. And uh, so they work together. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but the question I have, which I still don't understand, not just with you, with other authors also, is... So you have a book of an imprint of Random House in the right. UK. Yeah. And yet US has Random House. It's not a company that's not in the US. It is there in the US. Yes. Yet your book is not published by Random House or an imprint of Random House in the US. It's published by a totally different imprint, Macmillan, in yeah. the US. I've heard of another author. She was an Australian author, but I think her book, was published by Penguin internationally and then by Macmillan in the US. So I'm kind of, how is that? Why is that? What are your thoughts on a company not supporting itself? I, you would think Random House in the US would be like, okay, I'm taking this, you know, Random House UK is taking it, I'm taking it. Well, I think it's because um, of what I said before about the editors. You have to find the editor who really, really loves this book and who thinks it's going to work with all of the other books on her list. You know, it's the type of book that she, I'm saying she because both my editors are women, but, um, you know, that he or she um, is going to, you know, think I, I, can, I can see how this book um, would fit. 
And so even though and there's a, a you know Random House obviously is, it exists in in the U.S. There wasn't an editor at Random House who thought, no, this is a this is a book that I really love. And so ah. they don't they abs they absolutely don't impose from um, you know there's not some central office head office which says we've bought this book it's up to us to make money off out of it worldwide. Um, they uh, they leave the editors to sort of curate their own lists and um, make uh, make the most of, uh, of of you know of, of what they've got. In fact, in the in the UK, some of the you know because Random House has so many imprints in the UK, sure. they can they can compete against each other. Actually, you know they uh, you know sometimes they're uh, they're all bidding for the same uh, the same book. <laughs> oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you have Random House imprints competing against each other in UK, and mm -hmm. then all the US imprints are com completely different. So it's not one head Random House that's an international head. So if Random House buys it, it's not like internationally, everyone no, buys it. No, it no they, they buy the rights to the UK. And so I, I suppose my agent in the US, um, you know, her job is to try and, and um, you know, find the best publisher for me in the US. And that didn't happen to be um, Random House. So, uh, ah. so what do you <laughs> like to do when you're not writing? Oh, OK. Well, I have a, um, a I, I have a big garden. I do a lot of gardening. Uh-huh. And... Um, a lot of uh, I, I I don't know what else do I do walking the dog. Uh -huh. I mean, at the moment, of course, this year, right? Um, last year, for the last twelve months, I mean, uh, gardening and walking the dog has really been about all there there has been to do. You know, right? So, um, which is a shame. I mean, with my first book, I um I spent quite a lot of time going to um you know bookshops and libraries and talking to readers, which was mm -hmm. just wonderful. And I haven't managed to do that with this one nearly as much. So it's a real pleasure to be talking to you today about it. Well, it's <laughs> a pleasure talking to you. I I just love talking books. It's <laughs> it's it's a different world. Mm -hmm. I find it's an honor and a privilege for you as an author to take your readers out of their COVID doldrums yeah. and take them elsewhere and say, here's this world, just close your eyes for a minute and take this journey with me. Exactly. And, and I don't know about you, but I found that my my reading has has um, changed over the last year. And, uh, you know, so so I have been looking for things where for, for books I've been reading a lot of um, the old sort of classic crime novels, you know, Agatha Christie. And this oh, goes, wow. it's goes, yeah, because it's so completely different. And there's something really comforting about all these little villages with their little murders and their sort of, you know, uh huh. Yeah, they're polite detectives and the, and the whole story, um, you know, you know, it's going to come to a satisfying conclusion. And so, uh, you know, sort of challenging, uh, you know, sort of really experimental literary fiction hasn't really been where I've been looking this year. I don't know about you. I My reading has changed this year where before I would like more intense, heart-wrenching stories. Yeah. And now I just want something I can float away with, something easy something that makes me smile and makes me feel good and a yeah. sense of home. Yeah. So I I used to read a lot of World War II historic fiction. All right. Yes, and I'm kind of slowly, I mean, I'll read a little bit, but I'm taking a break. 
And I'm like, I'm like, we're in the middle of COVID. I can't handle the Holocaust, the war and COVID. I just want something easy, romance, chill holiday. And that's kind of where my reading has changed. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I'm right. (laughs) Right. How has your writing changed during the pandemic? Um, well, I'm um, I'm in the middle of uh, the next uh, the next book. In fact, I, I I'd done most of the research for it before we started on this horrendous in this horrendous journey, and um, it was which is a real pleasure actually mm-hmm. because uh, you know it does mean that I can go somewhere else in 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 my head. I can spend hours somewhere else, and and it it makes you feel as if the the time isn't wasted. I think it's been quite a uh, quite hard to. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm long retired, so I don't, I don't go out. I, you know, I wasn't going out to work anyway. And you suddenly think, well, I have all of this time that I might have spent uh, traveling or socializing, and and uh, really, I should be achieving something with the time that I've got available to me. So it's been nice to feel that I can use that time to uh, to achieve another uh, another book. But I still find it, it frustrating, actually, because funnily enough, it is set in World War Two. Okay. And, <laughs> okay. And I would love, I would love to, um, you know, to to uh, before lockdown started, I went to the Imperial War Museum. Okay. But I think I would be sort of living in the Imperial War Museum if if lockdown hadn't happened. And mm-hmm. so, although you can get everything online, it's not the same as, um, you know, going going somewhere and talking to people and looking at real things. It's just not uh, it's not the same. But right. uh, I'm lucky to be able to write. I think it's, uh, um, you know, where, yeah. There is an incredible World War II museum in um, New Orleans, New Louisiana. Yeah, I've I've been to it. I went um, before my uh, Meet Me at the Museum was published. I uh, the librarians. You have the most amazing librarians in America, and they had this huge conference in New Orleans, and they invited me over to um, for for um, an event with some other authors. You know, we all did a bit of um, a bit of talking. So I was in New Orleans for a couple of days, and and uh, I went to, and I went to that museum. It is. Uh-huh. It was honestly. I was just so moved. It uh-huh. was it was a really really moving experience. It's yes, beautifully done. I thought really fantastic museum. Yes, yeah. I I I only we only had about a half a day in the museum, and I just wish we could spend about three days. There's yeah. just so much information on World War Two. Yeah, that you could glean from going to a museum, which is which is good, which is a good place to. Yeah. Do some research and even get some ideas for stories, perhaps. Yeah, pre- precisely, and and it, I guess they really created the atmosphere, didn't they? They mm-hmm. they made you understand because, of course, from my point of view, all all a lot of our history, it's all about what the bit of the war that we were involved in, and right. so um, whereas America, you know, a lot of the war in the Far East, it was all about the war in the Far East, and I was astonished about how little I knew about it mm-hmm. and how horrendous it was. <laughs> really, uh, really awful. Right. So your next book is a World War II historic fiction, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, how far are you with writing it? I'm probably about halfway through. Okay. And uh, when do you think it will be? Um, well, I, I don't, um, uh, at the moment I'm writing, uh, the, the, the UK publisher has said that they um, they want it by the end of this year. So I Wonderful. have about uh, 
yes, I have about another nine, uh, nine months to go, which I'll probably need. That is wonderful. So tell me about what genres you like to write, because you have, I have not read Meet Me at the Museum. I have read Your Narrow Boat Summer, and now you're going into historic, hardcore, historic World War II fiction. Mm -hmm. What other genres do you like to write? What do you, what would you like to write? Well, I mean, the um, the one I'm writing at the moment is not specific, although it's set in the war, it's not actually about the war, it's not about conflict. Oh, okay. So it's it's about the um, the impact on um, on individuals' lives who were not actually you know not combatants on women's lives um, and um, in, in a particular section of the community and uh, and how it impacted on them. So I, I suppose that um, uh, so I, I probably always write about the impact of change on women's lives. I think mm -hmm. that probably pretty well sums it up. Uh, I also write short stories and some of my short stories are, are sort of have a sort of uh, crime twist to them. Okay. If you see what I mean. I've never actually tried to write an entire novel because I actually I, I, I actually do find it quite hard, you know, because you, you start off, you know, the, the, um, you know, because I tend to have an idea. So I had an idea for a short story, which was mm -hmm. a woman comes out of her house and there's a car with a parked outside with the boots slightly open, you know, and she looks in the boot and there's a body, you know, and I thought this is this is really powerful, you know, and I, and I could picture the whole village and the woman and her background right. and everything else. And then, of course, I start writing it and I suddenly think, well, hang on, who's body is it right <laughs> yeah <laughs> whose body is it how did the car get there how did the car get there how did the body get in the boot you know and, and I thought oh good heavens you know and so I had to I had to you know it was a, a, for, for quite a you know it's quite a long short story but even so I probably wrote that about five times before I could actually sort of you know get my head around or you know how to make the story work so it's it is quite hard so but but I love doing it in short stories I, I but but I don't know whether I'd ever try with a novel I might Ah, have you ever considered publishing your short stories as a short, a book of short stories? Um, yes, my UK publisher is going to publish a, a book of short stories um, at some point. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah. So, so I'm I'm pleased about that. I'm very fond of my short stories. <laughs> well, that that's great. Yeah, short stories yeah. are wonderful. What um. What kind of books do you, what genres do you gravitate towards reading? How much do you read? Do you read books on writing? Tell me about your reading. Yes, I, I, um, I read a lot and I read very widely. Um, mm -hmm. And I suppose that my sort of my, my uh, home territory, if you like, is, is contemporary literary fiction. Okay. Um, so uh, I, I read a lot of um you know, of modern writers, uh, people who I think are the best uh, writers writing uh, writing today. And then, um, you know, I didn't used to read detective fiction, but I've now done this sort of, um, you know, I've been driven into the comfort zone of uh, cups of tea on the village green. <laughs> um, and I read a lot of, um, you know, I read classics as well. I read, uh, you know, I, I uh, lot of classic fiction I will honestly read anything I, mm -hmm. I do um, I, I do read anything books on writing I, I don't um, I enjoy uh, you know the, there's a there's a handful of books on writing I enjoy reading the sort of um, meditations of some of the best um, writers I mean Anne, Anne Patchett has a book now what was that called the Dutch house no, no, no. A book on writing. I mean, it's oh, about, a book on oh, writing. 
Yes, it's um, it, it's something that's got marriage in the title. I've forgotten. Okay. Uh, the recipe for a happy marriage or something like that. And it's okay. it's actually her journalism, I think. And and you know, I read all these essays, and uh -huh. um, you know, it really uh, it brings the writing experience alive to me. So I tend not to read books which are um, designed to encourage you to write or to help you to construct a story or anything like that. But I do like sort of meditations on the experience of writing, like Stephen King's on writing. You know, that's, yes. a, that's a lovely that's a lovely book because it's about Stephen King and it's about writing. You know, what's yes. not like. Yes. yes, that was a that was a very interesting book. It's a good book. Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to young writers, older writers, just writers starting on their journey? Um, well, I think it's very hard to get everything right, if you see what I mean. To get a, um, uh, to get a, a story that's going to be published, I mean, the writing has to be good, mm -hmm. the story has to be good, the structure has to be good, the pace has to be right. And um, it's, you know, it can take a lot of time and, um, and practice to get all that to come together. And then, of course, you have to finish it. I mean, that's the, that's the first thing. There's <laughs> so many people who tell me, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm writing a novel. I mean, I know somebody who's been writing the same novel for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I don't think she could describe herself as a writer, because if you're a writer, you know, you'd move on. <laughs> you know, if you get, you would think, okay, I've written this, but uh, she, yeah. And so, um, I think the advice I would, uh, honestly, the advice I would give people is is never give up. But at the same time, I just enjoy it. You know, because I love writing, and mm -hmm. it seems to me a shame that people become, you know, that people would would stop enjoying their writing if they thought there was never any chance of it being published. You know, what does that matter in the end? Right. It's wonderful to be published, but um, actually uh, writing is a way of making sense of the world and just taking ownership of your experiences and your imagination and working it all out on the page. So um, in the end, just enjoy it. That is absolutely beautiful advice I, I'm just spellbound by your advice I'm like wow I, I like it because I liked what you said about writing is a way of processing mm. our lives and our stories it, it's mm. yes it I, I love that it's excellent so I normally ask this of all my interviewees so I'm just going to ask what are your top five favorite books of all time Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> and I know it changes. I mean, everyone's does, like, well, does. today it is this. But what is it today? Let's go with that. What would it um, be today? There's a book. One, okay. Um, now, there's a book by um, oh, Colin McCann, I think, called Let the Great World Spin. Okay which has always been pretty near the top. There's a book by um, Jane, of course, you see now, I'm, well, my, this is my, my age, I keep forgetting all the, uh, the, either the titles or the name. There's a book called A Month in the Country. Okay. By, oh, good Lord, I've forgotten. It's, I've forgotten who, uh, well, That's it, okay. but it's, a, it's an absolutely, absolutely beautiful book okay in the country um i would probably um 
I would probably put a Dickens book up there. I think it would probably be our mutual friend. Okay. Um, and a, um, oh, I know, yes. And uh, Wilkie Collins, The Woman in White. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> How many have I got to? Is that you've, four? You've gotten to four. <laughs> so I have to I have to come up with a uh, with another one. Okay. Uh, well, let's just say The Old Man and the Sea then by Ernest Hemingway. Ernest because, Hemingway, you know, Old Man and the Sea. Okay. Yeah. You so, know, so you can <laughs> It's interesting. Just recently I was on uh Bookstagram, which is the Instagram version, you know, with books and everything, and somebody posted on it about how much she thought it was very misogynistic and oh man in the sea and she Mm. did not I was like okay I'm not gonna touch this one with a 10-foot pole but I just recently read the book I for my first time yeah I read it last year yeah it's so tight isn't it and I think that's unfair to call it misogynistic because obviously I mean Hemingway undoubtedly was and it is all about men but it's actually um about the um the power of human endurance Yes. Um, you know, and, and it doesn't honestly matter that it's, that it's about a, a man. It's about mm-hmm. a man and a fish. Right. But it's just, yeah, yes. It, it's yeah. just that ending when he comes back with the oh, skeleton. Yeah. I, just like, whew. It, it, yeah, no, and it's such a short book. Exactly. It's exactly. such a and it's, short book, but. And of course, nobody wins. Everybody wins, you know, no, nobody wins. Although he wins, he doesn't win, you know. Correct, it, it, like, yes. Yeah. Which is so like life, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, so let's talk about your top three. Let's go with three favorite authors. If you could only read three authors for the rest of your life. Oh, <laughs> who would that be? Well, it would have to be, um, Anne Tyler would have to be up there because, okay. um, you know, it, it's uh, for, for um, consistent quality. She's unbeatable, really. You know, every book is, um, you know, maybe I like one or two of them better than one or two of the others, but, um, you know, for every book. So if I, if I could only have one, um, one or two authors, I think uh, one of them would have to be um, Anne Tyler. Um, probably one of them would have to be Dickens. Okay. And one of them might have to be Ali Smith. I don't know whether she's, um, uh, how popular she is in the US, but she's a Scottish author okay. um, who writes books that are extraordinary. And um, that, that would be, those three actually would be a really good contrast one with another because um, Ali Smith, uh, you, you almost can't see, you can't see any mechanics of her telling a story. You know, it's as, it's as if her thoughts are appearing on the, on the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, whereas Dickens, of course, is, is um, you know, it's, it's, you, can, you can see the mechanics, you can see how he's building up the characters and the story and the interaction and everything else. And then Anne Tyler is just so, um, you know, blissfully in the moment with these people having ordinary lives, doing ordinary things. Um, so she's all about the extraordinariness of ordinary life. So I think those three would uh, those three would probably keep me going. Very, very, very good. Well, my question to you is: Do you have anything that you'd like to tell your readers, to my listeners, about the Narrowboat Summer, or anything else before we uh, call it quits here? 
No, I, I suppose for the narrowboat summer, what would I um, what would I like to say? I mean, I've had um, you know all of the reviews that um, that I've read from uh, you know readers and and professional reviewers have um, uh, do seem to have got the point really um, mm -hmm. that it is it's about friendship. Yes. And um, I suppose that what I would like to say about both uh, both of my books really is that I'd like to encourage readers to read them because they are positive. And, uh, you know, I find that's what I have found increasingly this year, that um, books which um, dwell, however beautifully written, um, on, uh, you know, the miseries of life, uh, they're, they're, they're just not for me. So I, I think I would, I would uh, ask people to think positively and, uh, yes, about the books. That's a beautiful way to end this. I want to say, Anna, it's been so much fun chatting with you. I've learned a lot. So thank you so much for coming on my podcast and spending some time with me. Oh, it's been, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. And what did you think? Wasn't she absolutely charming? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I am working on more episodes for you all, so stay tuned. Of course, book club episode discussing cast will be coming up next time, and hopefully soon a couple of author interviews that I'm scheduled to do. So there's more coming down the pipe, and um, that's all I have for this episode. Before I go, I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, you know the name, but you'll be a part of a much different story one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code L-L-T-B podcast. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the links in the show notes. If you loved this episode or any of my previous episodes, please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Join the conversation with me on a new app called Swell. My tag on Swell is at Bookish Podcast. It's an audio app for podcast listeners like yourself. You will find something there that will interest you that you can interact with. And it's a great way to chat with me. Check it out. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shanazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavik. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time.